and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that has caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me is Deputy News Editor Justin. Hello. And key contributor Peter. Hello. This week, we're looking at the upcoming Toyota GR Corolla. Everything we know so far on the latest, very tasty instalment in the Rollers performance story. Um, We'll discuss a trio of recent entries to the Cars Guide garage, and we'll catch up with the Doge Father, a master cryptocurrency manipulator in this week's Muskwatch. (laughs) YouTubers, you can jump ahead courtesy of the time codes in the notes below, and you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. Um, First of all, it's a story authored by your good self, Justin, about uh, 2022 Toyota GR Corolla. We knew it was coming but there have been a couple of surprises that we've learned courtesy uh, of sources inside Japan. Can you give us an update? Yeah, so obviously GR Corolla is, is something that's, I guess, a bit of inevitability after GR Yaris came along and uh, Cars Guide own uh, Andrew Chesterton had a chat with the lead engineer at the uh, launch of the GR Yaris and they revealed that uh, the 1.6 litre uh, three-cylinder engine in that car was obviously not going to just stay in the GR Yaris. It was going to be applied to other products as well. So the writing was kind of on the wall for GR Corolla at that point in time. But anyway, uh, so we've always assumed that it would just be essentially a carbon copy of the Yaris, but slightly larger. Um, but uh, yeah, some sources from Japan have indicated there's a little bit more spice in the uh, equation. Um, so obviously the GR Yaris makes 200 kilowatts of power and 370 newton meters of torque, which in a small hatch would be absolutely nothing to sneeze at. But apparently Toyota is aiming to raise that to 221 kilowatts. Uh, yep. No word on torque yet, but obviously they're looking to clearly position the GR Corolla above the GR Yaris rather than I guess, kind of below, if you will. And, and can um, I just say, that is just a fraction under 300 horsepower. Oh, no. From it three is. Cylinders. Yeah. And from a 1.6 three-cylinder. <laughs> it's just yeah. outrageous. It's so unreal. It's 100 horses a cylinder, basically. But it's outrageous. Um, yeah. yeah. And crazy. And, you know, 150 horsepower nearly yeah. per litre. So yeah, I want that, um, I want that single cylinder version in my lawnmower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, that would get the job done. <laughs> the, th- the thing with the GR Yaris is obviously it's already a fairly high output engine considering what it's working with. Um, so it was already kind of at its limit or close to it. But again, Toyota's allegedly looking to push that a little bit more for the GR Corolla and, and get that extra 10% out of the engine. Um, so that is a surprise, definitely. But for me, the biggest surprise is, uh, is this particular report from Japan's actually suggested the GR Corolla will be more affordable in the GR that's Yaris. it, yeah, well, priced yeah, but under the Yaris. But that's no surprise because it's easier to build, I would imagine. Okay, uh, that's a good point. It, because the, the Yaris is a Frankenstein car because you've got is. TNGA, B at the front, TNGA, what a great point. C what a great at the point. back. Yeah. Like it's, it's like the Escort Cosworth. I mean, all it needs is a longitudinal engine and you've got the same car, basically. <laughs> yeah. Just a little joke a for the point, Yaris. actually. Yeah. That, um, is, that is a very good point. And just on your point about it being at the limit, it does not feel stressed at 200 kilowatts. Like it feels mm. like it can bounce off the red line all day, that engine. So, right. um, and um, <laughs> it did on the launch. Uh, so, because <laughs> they had us doing handbrake turns around cones and things and everyone was just foot flat to the floor at first and the engine just copped it. Like there was, yeah. you, you couldn't even smell oil. Like it was just so, it feels really bulletproof. And the fact that Toyota is willing to stand behind 
the same $200 servicing as the Aris. Um, and uh, yeah, so I Crazy. think 220 kilowatts will be very straightforward for the roller. And uh, yeah, so I, and I do think it's an easier car to build than the Yaris. That is such a good point. And yeah. I think our, our source, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, is Car Sensor. Yeah, so that's uh, presumably a site that's based in Japan, and they've had a they've had a crack at a rendering. Oh no, the rendering uh, comes no. from Best Car Web, yeah. which is um, another so Japanese site, another yeah. Japanese source. Yeah. Um, and their interpretation of what it might look like, I've got to say, I'm drawn to. I think it looks very good. If it ends up looking um, half as good as that car, yeah. And the one thing I'd say about Best be Car Web is they're very good with their intel. So usually when they do come up with these kind of renders, they've somehow you right. know, receive the hot tip and usually they end up being fairly close to reality. Time mm. will tell, obviously, with this one, mm. but, um, yeah, it could look yep. something like that. For Some sure. selected leaking, you reckon? I reckon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the, the, the thing that this will, I mean, we'll, we'll t- touch on it in a minute, but obviously some local competition will come in the face of um, Civic Type R, um, Hyundai i30N, and the soon, very soon, to arrive uh, GTI Golf, but the thing the Corolla will have is all-wheel drive, and it's a yeah. fantastic all-wheel drive system. So that, yeah. that's yeah. certainly an ace up the sleeve. Yeah. Definitely. And for that reason, it's kind of almost on the same level, or not even almost, pretty much on the same level as a Golf R, in fact. You know, it goes exactly. a step beyond a GTI, certainly in power it will. Um, but, yeah, that all-wheel drive ability. And, again, it's going to be a manual car too, um, mm. which Golf R isn't available with anymore. It's, it's DSG only. So... Yeah, um, yep. it's got a bit of a unique selling point there, I guess. Oh, and yeah. I would say, from a torque perspective, I reckon they'll they'll go for the four hundred plus. I think so too. Of, yeah. of the of the Type R, so they're clearly going for Type R here, and yeah. saying, "Hey, we can do it without it being butt ugly." Yeah. <laughs> so, so if if I enjoy you know, the offensiveness of the Type R, yeah. or notwithstanding the the pricing shenanigans of the first uh, GR Yaris, yeah. um, it's yep. settled at forty nine five hundred. And I think the rally is more expensive. Yeah. But if the Corolla, uh, following that logic, the Corolla is less expensive, you've got Type R at 54,990 um, and you've got I30N at 41,400 for the hatch. So there's a fairly broad kind of spread. And I think we've had a, um, a stab at, or we know pricing for the Mark 8 uh, GTI, which is low 50s, 53,100. So there's every chance that this Corolla could come in at a, a relatively aggressive price. That's the thing as well. Like considering yeah. what it's coming with, if it is under 50, yeah. which again, assuming that um, this alleged positioning in Japan Corolla below Yaris carries over to Australia, you know, it's presumably without a performance pack going to start in the mid to high 40s. Yeah, which mm. would be stunning. I yeah, I'll believe it when it happens. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd probably think it started with a five in reality. But time will tell. Well, I, I was convinced that that Yaris was going to be over fifty. I mean, yes, I was mm. kind of right with the rally, <laughs> but um, like I was convinced it was going to be over fifty to get going with. And so I, I think Toyota's gone out really aggressively on GR pricing uh, to get the brand out there because I think these cars, even if they make a buck on them you know, overall, like dealers will make their money because they'll scream otherwise. Um, but uh, even if dealer, even if they make a buck on them, they can then sell $20 body kits on CHRs for three grand. And that's where they're going to make their money with that whole GR kind the of thing. The power and of, of the course, GR brand. 
Yeah, and of course, Supra and GRMN and whatever else comes down the pipe because they've got that GR line kind of thing happening. They've got to yeah. build that brand. They've got to build it quickly. Yeah. And Yaris, Corolla, Supra is doing that and well, yeah. GR86. You know, that's really interesting because I had a theory there for a while. I think it's probably been disproven uh, that, that <laughs> BMW with M and Mercedes with AMG and to a degree Audi with Quattro or Audi Sport or whatever it, it may be, mm. I thought they were being greedy in that they'd set up something that was rather exclusive and, and quite exotic when you think about the, the roots of BMW M Mm. in German touring car racing and the M1 and, and all of those wonderful cars. And it became much more mainstream through M3s and on it went. And then you saw 118Ds with M kits on it, you know, with yeah, yeah, big yeah. rims. You went, oh, I don't, I don't know if that's what M's about. And similar sort of scenario with, with AMG, with Mercedes, so many AMG models and AMG accessories and kits and lines and things being sold. Mm. But it is very tempting to spread that brand out, but do you lose some of the, the purity or the meaning of it in, in trying to get the, the dollars in the till. Well, I think because Toyota's going out hard with GR as a as as the three-tier brand from the get-go, it, it, I think they're just trying to fast forward that. And yeah. because Toyota's been so dull, generally speaking, for two decades now, yeah. because as you know, as, as you were saying before we, we came on, they were sporty Corollas. They've been sporty Corollas for years. Totally. But then they just stopped doing them. I know. And and, <laughs> and Accio Toyota has said, we're going to make more exciting cars. So yeah, and this is all the fruit of, of that kind of strategy. But I suppose the thing that I, when I say my theory was disproved, I thought AMG and Airmans were going to, were going to fizzle out or we're going to oh, lose no. their charisma uh, because of they were being spread too thin, but that hasn't been the case. So, yeah, I'm sure Toyota sees a big opportunity. And, and you're right, Peter. It, it, um, it strikes a chord with me. I've, I'm old enough to kind of always see a bit of the Corolla DNA as mm. being a performance car. Yeah, yeah. And it was quite confusing when it wasn't. In the, <laughs> you know, the, the KE10, the, the first Corolla was uh, a regular at Bathurst mm. um, and it helped establish Toyota in people's consciousness um, in this country. Uh, the other one that came to mind was uh, Maggie Thatcher's son, Mark, the mysterious character who raced a Corolla Levine at Bathurst uh, before, right. before he staged his, you know, disappearance. And, um, and Toyota Australia with their factory efforts in yep. an AE86 and, and others, and that's right, the AE86 is a Corolla. Um, and I, for one, had an AE80 twin cam um, in the late 80s as a company car of all things, and it was mm. just the most fantastic, lightweight, nimble, amazing little hot hatch. So for me, Corolla, there's always a bit of it that is about uh, performance. So it's a return to form as opposed to anything new, I reckon. But it's a big, it's a big return to form because even like the Corolla SX slash GTI from the 90s was 100 kilowatts and that was a kind of, that was terribly exciting. From 1.6 litres. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they were never kind of overdone, were they? They were very no. kind of, very carefully kind of considered cars. Yeah. So they, wouldn't, they wouldn't scare the horses. No. People who knew had a great deal of fun in them. So yeah, the, yeah. the GR is very in your face. <laughs> so this, well, that's true. And yeah. and when you think, okay, GR Supra, uh, GR Yaris, there'll be GR86 and there'll mm. be GR Corolla, that does start to build the portfolio yeah. and more to come with GRMN and, and what have you. It's exciting times really in, yeah. in that part of, of Corolla's lineup. 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, I mean, Toyota's lineup. Yeah, l- l- last hurrah before we everything goes electric. But yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you could have been doing this for 20 years and making more money. But anyway. I mean, to that point, isn't that a little snippet in our story too, uh, Justin, uh, yes. as a closer, that the, the wagon may be a, a different approach? Yeah, so there's there's going to be a wagon uh, in addition to the, the hatchback as well. No sedan planned allegedly at the moment. But um, obviously the assumption was always the wagon was going to be offered with the same engine as the hatch. Logically, that would make sense. But yeah, apparently there are whispers out of Japan that it might actually go a different way and be a hybrid yeah. um, using the two-liter engine, uh, which is seen in overseas versions of the Corolla and, uh, and CHR, I think, as well. Um, but obviously, they'll soup it up a bit to make it a more of a performance-oriented uh, uh, so setup. It's so Corolla wagon on. Is Corolla wagon on a different platform to the to the sedan and hatch? I'm just wondering. Maybe they're going to put the high, the the electric motors in the rear wheels and and leave the engine running the fronts. I think maybe that's why off the doing. top of my head, it should be the same. Um, yeah, be, very G, similar yeah. to the sedan. TNG, at very least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. TNG yeah. variation, but probably the slightly larger sedan kind of take on things. I would say. Wow, Toyota getting fully crazy. They've gone yep. from white goods to exciting products. Well, that's the <laughs> thing about the Yaris, <laughs> right? They kept saying, oh, we can't do sports cars without other manufacturers and then just go, no, we're going to do something completely bananas, yeah. completely yeah, right. off. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's against all of Toyota's manufacturing yeah. principles, but they're doing yes. it anyway, which is fantastic. And, and the whole vibe, isn't it, was uh, the, the cooperation with Subaru on 86 and BRZ. Yeah, that's very good. And the cooperation with BMW, collaboration on, on everything underpinning it with Supra. Mm. Uh, but this one, wow, you get the vibe that they're really loving it because it's all theirs and yeah. it's about the World Rally Championship and people are, are pumped up about it. Yeah, for sure. All Definitely. right. Well, that that is very good. It'd be great to get people's feedback and what they make of it. You're looking forward to a, a GR Corolla? Um, mm. Maybe it's it's on your shopping list. Uh, you won't be alone, I dare say. Uh, but we, we will move now to cars that are currently in our garage or, or ones that we have driven lately. Justin, can I kick off with you, please? You're making an early call here, at least uh, before the show you were. Tell us about it, please. Yeah, big call perhaps for me, but I think I've uh, spent a couple of days thus far in a car I've been looking forward to driving for over six months now, finally got the chance. And uh, after the first 48 hours, I've got to say it's probably, in my mind at least, uh, a serious contender for car of the year, and that would be the new Kia Sorento. Uh, I've got the GT line petrol uh, this week and oh, it's an absolute knockout, I think. Right. In terms of everything you want from a car in that segment, it ticks pretty much every box. Yep. Um, practicality, I think it looks pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Feels premium. Obviously, as we know with Kia, you get a seven-year warranty, so that's never going to be uh, really a consideration because it's that's pretty great um, yep. and it's very well packaged obviously you've got seven seats so you've got that versatility if you do need it an adult yes. could even go on the third row it'll be tight but it is possible yep. for shorter journeys i've tried it it's absolutely doable um <laughs> but the, like the middle it. bench no maybe not richard berry <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's, uh, but the second row does like slide forward to a ridiculous degree so you can really balance the second and third rows to afford everyone decent leg room so yes um it's stunningly versatile in that way um but yeah drives yeah, pretty co- well co- I mean, cosmetically because i think the, the the sorrento has that little hint of to my eyes, a bit of Mustang around the back, um, you know, the, the separated taillights in that way. What, what's done cosmetically on the outside to, to make it stand apart? 
Well, obviously, yeah, you've got that. So that's a bit of a different look. I just think for a lot of people, they, in their mind, and I guess I was the same as well, you have an idea of what a Kia looks like. <laughs> and uh, Sorrento kind of blows that expectation away, I think. I mean, yeah, you've got that signature element of the tiger nose grill, but it's a much more squared off, aggressive. you got like a mesh insert. So it looks it looks a lot tougher in that regard. I, I suppose what I was driving at is there any GT line stuff? I mean, are there are there oh, different okay. different rims? Is there something Wheels, you know yeah. on the body kit yeah. that, that stands it out? So you get um, different trims. So like the the meshings that I was talking about is gloss black as an example. Uh, the wheels are twenty inches as opposed to obviously wow. smaller further down the range. So yeah, yeah. you do get some stuff as opposed to maybe some other GT line products from Kia. There isn't as much visual differentiation, I would say. Um, you don't get a, a different body kit per se, um, but yeah, there are different uh, different trim, different wheels, and then obviously inside you get uh, nice things like quilted Nappa leather upholstery. Oh wow! Yeah, 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 Great. yeah. like it's Great. it's a proper job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like they've spared no expense in terms of making it feel great inside in particular um and then you know you got your soft touch materials around the place as well like it doesn't feel cheap it feels substantial and then it, there's no skipping out on standard equipment either and the gt line you get heated and cooled front seats you get heated oh. middle seats heated steering wheel massive panoramic sunroof head-up display digital instrument cluster so on and so forth like they yep. they've thrown the kitchen sink at it like it's, that, it's literally that- all in there. big screen uh, version of the media system, which is yeah. just, it's good. And I, I, I love me a cooled seat. You know, I tend to, <laughs> I tend to run fairly hot. A thermostat <laughs> is, you know, sometimes faulty. And you and me both, brother. A cold, uh, a cooled seat. Gee, that's a luxury that uh, yeah. I think pays off day to day. Love them. But then it's also got some like different quirks as well in that multimedia system you were talking about. Um, it's got a quiet mode. So, you know, if you did have the kids in the back and they were asleep or trying to go to sleep, um, that basically kills the speakers in the back so that, and lowers the volume in the front. So that way, you know, the driver and front passenger, so mum and dad presumably, um, can still enjoy uh, whatever they're listening to. But then the kids are kind of left to their own. Uh, which is pretty cool. And then there's That's also like a, yeah. um, a speaking feature. So if the kids were bickering in the backseat or yelling or whatever, yes. and uh, you can't dis- uh, discipline them or whatever, you can um, just hit this button and it will use the Bluetooth microphones to pick up and amplify your voice and send it through the speakers in the back. So there'll be no missing. <laughs> it's the voice of authority. Scholar. You kids, it's also, you kids it's in also- the back. It's also a good thing to not have to talk across the middle row as much as about yeah. that kind of, yeah, it's it's a very cool thing. Particularly if you're driving as well. Like the last thing you want to do is, is take your eyes off the road and, yeah, and be looking at your right. shoulder. So I guess yes. that's another way of doing that and projecting as, your voice. Uh, or, as my father used, or as my father used to say, Carol, hold the wheel while I beat the children. Wow. <laughs> Thankfully, my parents seem completely unaware of of this second career of mine. So, hey, I can say what I want about them. (laughs) Uh, And and I, you know, there's got to be a modest or a serious premium in terms of um, what what you're asked to pay for this, Justin. Just to put you on the spot. Yeah, so it's just over sixty thousand dollars for the GT line. Obviously, there are lesser options um, or more more affordable options in the in the Sorento range, and you're going to get obviously, you know. 85, 90% of the experience if you do go for one of them anyway, including all the safety stuff. So that's good. Um, but I think for the amount of money you pay for a top spec, seven seat, large SUV, it's a it's very well priced to begin with. Yeah. Certainly cheaper than an equivalent CX-9 or even a new Kluger. 
Um, but you get absolutely everything. And in most cases, I'd say more than you would get in other rival uh, vehicles. So that's very Interesting. impressive. But just one more point I'd make on it as yep. well is, again, this week I've got the V6 uh, petrol front-wheel drive. You can pay okay. an extra $3,000 and get a diesel all-wheel drive if you want. Yep. I probably wouldn't bother because it would take a fair while to make up the difference in cost uh, at the at the pump. But Three grand um, buys a lot of fuel. It does buy a yeah. lot of fuel. And like, the fuel consumption on the V6 isn't particularly great. But again, for that right. $3,000 difference, unless you're going to be owning it for a very long time, then it might not necessarily be worth it in the short term. Yeah. You might but, save some money but, on tyres though. Yes. <laughs> yes. The fronts spin up nicely, don't they? They do, they do, they do. If you stick the boot in for sure. But what I would say is the thing that I'm looking forward to most in terms of the evolution of that Sorrento story are the hybrid and yes. plug-in hybrid versions that are coming yeah, out. Great. Yeah, great. Those Definitely. are the ones that if I was in the market, that's what I'd be waiting for and buying one of those two because, you know, the V6 is all very well and good and the diesel is all very well and good. But um, the hybrids, obviously, you're going to get uh, superior fuel efficiency and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that'll be a very interesting and hopefully a really big winner. Uh, in that Great. Segment. Great. Good one. Thank you, Justin. Um, and Peter, we'll move on to you, an entirely different type of vehicle that you have Very been much. driving. Fire yes. away. BMW 420i, uh, the entry entry level for 71,990, 71,900, uh, the entry level grade of the new BMW 4 Series. Now, uh, I'm a big fan of this car. I mean, I am a kind of a BMW guy, so I will put that out there. But um, when you see this car in the flesh, the, the horrifying photos that BMW's press office mandated had to go out across the world. Don't make it look as um, challenging. Right, <laughs> right, right. Because, I mean, I've, when we're, uh, you know, I've spoken to a few people about it and I couldn't put my finger on how this happened, but all of the photos are taken right down here. Yes. Okay. They look like the grill is, is daunting. I get you. Yeah. They look. They look like they've just you know put a couple of Easter Island statues in the front. Moai. Of the, car, but, the Moai. Yeah, the Moai. So when you're there in front of it, it doesn't look that bad. And of course, it's got a beautiful uh, uh, profile, and, and the rear is very sleek. Um, but you know what? It's a it's a great car to drive, and, and you know it's based on the three series, of course. So which is a fantastic thing to drive um, these days. Yep. Yep. Just uh, an overall improvement on the. By BMW standards, lackluster previous version. Um, yeah, I love it. I, it's a, such a cool car. And the one I had was was this really nice white with black M wheels. Uh, so, and, and to pick up on what you're saying before, James, about the M stuff, we get M Sport as standard on the four series here. Yeah. Guys, nobody, nobody buys yeah, yeah. BMWs without it, basically. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really nicely spec. It could do with a bit more safety gear. Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, there's some of the stuff. Uh, you kind of want to be standard. However, it did have the visibility package, which had, you know, metallic paint, which is 1500 1600 bucks, right. sunroof, whatever. But right. it had the laser lights, which are... Oh, amazing. Yes, <laughs> they are amazing. Yes. They are incredible. Yeah, so, they have um, lasers. Yeah. Lasers. It's... it's um, well, you know, um, just to take an opposing position... The, the, <laughs> this is an honest opposing position. Look, I've, I've been I've been proven wrong in the past. Uh, the whole flame surfacing design approach from Chris Bangle um, back in the day, mm. initially I thought was disastrous. And, and really, there were people out there picketing the four cylinder building in Munich that they thought the whole company was being ruined. Um, and I've got to say, some of those designs have aged brilliantly well, mm. and they still yep. look contemporary. Um, mm. So many years down the track, so. 
initially I was like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a misstep. But I think they've grown beautifully. Mm-hmm. I could yep. be proven wrong in the same way. I've been, I've been told this grill is partially driven by demand in China where, you know, people want to make a brand statement and the kidney mm-hmm. grill is very much a signature element for BMW. So let's just make it whopping big. Yep. Um, I, I just think it spoils the car. I think it's out of proportion and, and the front of the car looks decidedly odd um, because of it. That's just my take. But I'm yeah. ready to be proven wrong over time, you know, if, well, it, I mean- if it ages in a similar way. It, it has the added advantage of extracting krill from the air as you drive along. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. I, I think... want to do a good job on the cooling because that's <laughs> really, yeah, that's right. Well, actually, I, I was in a roundtable with M's engineering team, and after upsetting the styling lady a bit because she didn't quite understand the, the, the thrust of my question, which was, okay. you know, how do you prepare yourselves for bad kind of? And she goes, oh, we don't do it deliberately. I'm like, I oh, know you don't. No, do it. no. But the engine, I said to the engineer, so these massive grills, what do you think? And they're like, oh, they're fantastic. They're so good for cooling. So on the M cars, and as you know, both the M3 sedan and the M4 coupe uh, have have this big schnoz. Um, yep. Uh, they love it. They absolutely love it. So there's actually a function to it, at least on the upper end. It's not going to need it on, mm. on this two-liter four-cylinder. Um, but, you know, it's swift. Yeah. It's got... It's got all the right things. It's got static BMW M suspension, which I thought was pretty much faultless around around town and, and yes. on the freeway. Yeah. Uh, so a beautifully sorted car. It is expensive. Could do with it a little bit more stuff. Um, but and it, I I would strongly recommend uh, that if you can replace the Bridgestone tires, if if you like your driving, re- replace the Bridgestone tires. Uh, they're just not as good. Oh as well, the, that's as just the, an invitation to wear the um the OE tires the out rapidly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Fine. Get Which rid of them that way. Yeah. yeah. Eminently doable. Yeah. Um, all right, good. Thank you, Peter. It'd be great to get people's thoughts on um, the BMW 4 Series and mm. uh, the way it presents to the world and yes. see what see what people make of it. I've been... Tell I've been wrong. I've been here. That's right. I don't mind. <laughs> I've been worth, I'm on your side, Peter. So. <laughs> Are you? Okay, very good. I'm a, I'm a BMW guy as well. So. God, it's turning into, what is it? 12 Angry Men. Um, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I've been driving something entirely different, which is the GWN, GWM, make sure that that's their M, Ute, Canon L. So this has been some time coming, and mm. um, finally it's here. So the L sits in, in the middle of the range. It's a two-litre turbo diesel for 120 kilowatts, but 400 newton metres, eight-speed auto. It's four-by-four model, but it's 37990 It's It's just a, t- a, a touch under $38,000, and you get a heck of a lot of ute mm. um, yep. for that money. It's A, it's huge. It's 5.4 metres long. It's 1.9 metres high. Um, it's two tonnes, which is, is actually less than I thought it was going to be. It'll tow three tonnes, which is a little under... The norm, you know, you, you'd probably want your three and a half. But again, uh, people may have reservations about product coming out of China, but there's a seven-year warranty. Um, and also, it's very well equipped. There's heaps of room because it's so big. It's just very spacious um, and commodious. Um, it's also quite loud. Um, it's <laughs> it's not, not as refined as you might like it to be in the engine mm. department. Also, the example uh, that we've had recently there was a very annoying squeak. It was like Crafty's uh, bird in a cage, twi- a tinky. Um, the, there was just this eh, eh, coming from the seat. You, it's got an electric adjustable seat on the driver's side, uh, which is great. Put it up just a couple of millimetres and that squeak disappeared. So it was something about where the seat was. 
Mm. I couldn't get the digital speedo to stay on. It wanted to change into a, a, a ranging graphic for you to the car ahead the mm. whole time. Matt Campbell told me that's something to do with a speed threshold and it's a bit of a problem. I found it intensely annoying. Mm. Um, and the ride's a bit rough, unladen, and that's not, you know, unusual uh, for mm. a ute. And Matt also told me to put 500 kegs in the back of it and it's transformed. It's a vastly different car. But fact is you're paying at least 10K more um, for an equivalent Hilux or Ranger, maybe even yes. more than that. Yeah. So they've got a, a very compelling way into that market initially by pricing a well-equipped, enormous uh, ute um, competitively. So yeah. I, I think it'll do well. Given its name, does share come straddling the bonnet? I don't know. This I is a joke know. for people of a very yeah, certain age. Yeah, I think, was that the uh, the Missouri? It might have been the New Jersey. Yeah, I think the, that film clip yeah, was, the, uh, it was yeah. an Iowa-class battleship. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, what was, Justin's what's the, uh, looking at us both going, how old are you two? <laughs> just, uh, I'm just going to sit I think it's turn back time. Is this turn back time is this right, yeah. Certain turn people, that's burned in their memory. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so there's that, and I think um, you know initially, if you do want to put a dent in these well-established top-selling players, um, price is not a bad weapon in your arsenal. So, if if uh, these can be brought to market at such a compelling price, they're going to find uh, buyers. So, over time, it'll be a different story. You do have to back it up with longevity, and that's a bit of an unknown quantity at this point. Um, so, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, a lot of youth for the money. The one thing it's I'd funny. say about the GWM Ute, though, which is quite interesting, is it's the first uh, of those products to move away from the Great Wall branding. Obviously, they're looking to distance themselves from their past for yep. several reasons and, and going with GWM um, instead, which is obviously Great Wall Motors, just yep. uh, an acronym in, though. Um, so that's quite fascinating. And even calling it the Ute, because overseas it's called the Canon, but in Australia, Canon is a variant name. And then you've got Canon L, which you had, and then Canon X. So yep. it's the GWM Ute, dot, 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 then Canon, anyway, Canon. Rather, as opposed to just being the Great Wall Canon. So well, it's, it's inter an interesting comment, Justin. It puts me in mind of a certain uh, fried chicken franchise who went from the <laughs> full name to a three-letter acronym yeah. and yeah. also an electronics manufacturer out of South Korea that started life as Lucky Gold Lucky Star. Lucky Gold Star, yes. Yeah. It uh, miraculously true. became LG. Yep. Um, anyway, that's fantastic. We shall now move on to some feedback um, from last week. And last week's show was built on the proposition of, well, what are you going to replace your Falcon and Commodore with? Um, the newest one you can buy, uh, the, the, the most recent production is now getting on to replacement type age. Uh, it was a story Byron had written and it, it brought some feedback. And Jared Rahman says, you know, he thought it was a great question. And he adds that the territory Commodore and Falcon had pure, honest design, but the world's changed, sadly. And he's looking for a car right now to replace local product. And he's saying there's nothing of real interest. He's, he's right in the crosshairs of Byron's story, really. He's a yeah, person yeah. who's just going, oh, I can't, I can't find anything to replace these cars. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting that Byron had struck a chord there. And Bertie, our old mate Bertie, uh, says, as an owner of a VF2 Redline Ute, I reckon the 580 Amarok is the closest um, I've driven to having the same in-the-seat feeling. Byron had put up the Ranger um, as an, a potential alternative because of its local development in similar fashion to, you know, a Holden Ute. But uh, Bertie reckons, no, not the Ranger. Um, he'd be heading for an Amarok, which I thought was an interesting. And he's obviously driven one um, if he's got the in-the-seat feeling. 
Um, yeah. and it's quite a quite a performance. You um, mm. well, the five eighty's got the Walkinshaw local development. Yeah, so yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's on the same philosophy as, as Byron there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Now uh, Marco V E S S, who I still like to refer to as Marco Bess, um, because that's how his uh, YouTube handle uh, c- uh, comes across. Um, he says the idea of replacing a Commodore SS with a Chrysler three hundred is just laughable. Um, what a backward step. Um, he'll be hanging on to his VF2 SSV redline for as long as possible and sees no suitable replacement for his VE SV6 ute. Um, so he's committed, obviously, and, and yes. in this zone where um, he's got these cars and maybe replacement is on the horizon. Mm. Um, however, in a sign of the times, what did I order a few weeks ago to sit alongside them? Tesla Model 3. How amazing is that? That's a, that? Well, that's quite a departure. It's quite a departure. <laughs> um, so Marco Vest, maybe you'll become Marco Tesla. Um, that's that's quite extraordinary. It's a good point, though, what he raises. And, and as a bit of a teaser this weekend, we have another story uh, coming along, uh, along similar lines to what Byron wrote a couple of weeks ago. But this one's from Stephen Otley, and it'll be talking about um, Falcon XR8 and Commodore SS specifically and what people might consider to replace those. And not to give the whole thing away, uh, but obviously we know a midsize SUV is is increasingly the family car of choice. And then the future is obviously moving towards electric. So we're going to look at a couple of electric midsize SUVs that are coming soon that might potentially be on the shopping list of uh, you know current or former XR8 slash SS buyers. And this sounds like a great example of someone that's gone out and got a, an electric car to replace Unreal. their performance Australian sedan. So... Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Well, even the lower, um, you know, examples of a model model three are quick. They're they're yeah, you know, plenty. a quick car. Five point six seconds for a standard range plus to one hundred. Um, yeah, you know, that is on par with an SS uh, of many, many, many generations. So That's yeah, right. yeah, definitely. All right, now we also touched last week uh, in Muskwatch on this uh, very high profile crash of a Tesla, allegedly with no one in the driver's seat in Texas. Um, there are conflicting reports from police and others um, inside Tesla. And Alan, uh, Adam Gill wasn't alone. He said, please check the meaning of autopilot. Yes. Um, you know, autopilots do not replace human operators. So, yep, Ad, Adam, I absolutely hear you. We get that. Um, that. That in a technical sense, autopilot is not the set and forget, go off and do something else kind of thing. However, perception is reality. And... Probably Hollywood has a lot to answer for in terms of you know <laughs> yeah. what what autopilot is in the public consciousness. So whatever it is technically um, may not matter as much as what people actually believe it is. But he said, Adam says, so unless you have an IQ of lower than sixty five and can live, cook, go to the toilet on your own, I'm sure it won't matter what you call it. But I would disagree still. I think it does matter what you call it. And if you set up an expectation in some people's minds that it's going to be autopilot, which generally speaking means set and forget, it's a hands-off yep. thing, I don't have to concentrate. Um, I, I think that's that's pretty dangerous. But there, anyway, you're free, sub, of course, to have an alternate there, point of view. There is a subculture of fans who think that everything that comes out of that company or is spawned from the technical loins of our dear leader is faultless. And sure. they think that if Elon says it's going to, and, and, you know, I deal with these people on social media all the time. If you say right. anything against the great leader, boom, yep. you are cooked. Yep. The Muscovites come for you. Oh, totally. Um, um, hashtag not a cult. 
yeah, so yeah, absolutely. So it, it's it, that's the problem with calling it autopilot. They actually they believe it yeah. and they won't hear a word against it. So. Yeah. Now the very interestingly named Geo bloke said, um, I reckon hydrogen might be the go for sports cars as well. We were talking about heavy transport. We're talking about all kinds of applications because Tung had been driving the Toyota Mirai. Um, Said it got everything we want, electric performance like an EV, unlimited range eventually, um, like an internal combustion engine, a lighter lighter weight than EVs and can be uh, actually green. Uh, But he said also, Tung, who cares about what the exhaust tastes like because uh, Tung... Uh, actually did drink some um, uh, water that it, that it emitted from the Mariah's exhaust, uh, or what I'm calling the exhaust, what does it sound like? So, um, you know, I'm sure it sounds like an electric car because that's, yes. what, that's, that's what, what it is. is. <laughs> but yes, so Tung did take the plunge, pardon the pun, and drank. I, I know everyone thinks about it, but Tung went there. Um, I'm not surprised. Then, no, folks. Last of all, I did mention last week that we have a family have bought a uh, Corolla uh, SX hybrid um, and that the purchase process was a very positive one. Um, I went incognito. It was my wife who, who bought the car and, and all of that. And I did mention that we paid uh, full retail uh, for the car. And Oz1 says, must be rich and naive to pay full list. Motoring uh, journalism, LOL. Yeah, um, yeah right. well, it's all that payola we so, get. Yeah. I said, um, I, I, you know, I think, have you been in the current new car market? Uh, we, we had to wait uh, three months for that, for that car. Um, there's no real stock kicking around. It is very much a seller's market. Um, and I, what I would say, by the way, naive is N-A-I-V-E, um, Oz1, people who can't spell, lol. Um, so... <laughs> There's a, bit of, there's a bit of payback. Um, <laughs> uh, but now, uh, speaking of payback, it is time for Musk Watch. Uh, right. So, mm. first of all, first cab off the rank, Starlink. Um, the Sydney Morning Herald has reported Quote, good news for internet users, Elon Musk's Starlink gets approval for satellites closer to Earth. Mm. So that means remote areas may be even better served by these low-orbiting satellites to provide a network of of, um, coverage Mm. um, for for people wanting to get their internet up to speed, which is is great. But to me, again, it's just like, oh, okay, how many more of these things are, are going to be out there? And I think it was something we actually um, investigated and, and discovered, but I'd forgotten from some time ago, that the authority that kind of gives you the big tick to go and do these things, just put things up in space, is the US Federal Communications Commission, the FCC. So they granted the permission for this to happen. And I'm thinking, well, that's good a bit, but it's my space too. Yeah. Um, why, why, why is, what is this uh, imperialism where, where you're determining that um, certain people can throw stuff up into space? Um, because remember, ultimately, uh, Starlink wants to, the Muskaya wants to launch 12,000 satellites um, up into space. And it put me in mind of a story that I'd caught through the week where a Scottish company is now making its business on cleaning up space. Mm. That, that their estimate is there are 34,000 objects of, of a certain size. There's lots mm. of micro bits and pieces out there. And they're going to make it their business to go out there and clean it up, clear debris, 
reposition satellites and remove redundant satellites from orbit. So maybe there is a bit of check and balance going on here. But mm. to me, it's just like, wow, it, it's just do it until someone tells you not to. Yeah. I mean, the Starlink thing, I, I have mixed feelings about, uh, but it's it's a good thing. Uh, you know, I know, you know, you talk to people who live on the outskirts of even a, oh. a pretty decent sized country town in Australia and they can't get internet. It's yep. mental. And for 120 bucks a month, you're going to be able to get a very good quality fast connection. But what I also think is going to be interesting about Starlink is how are places that are, shall we say, uh, not very encouraging of the internet uh, going to stop people from getting themselves a Starlink modem and looking at the yes. outside world? Well, that's the other dear leader, isn't it, really, yeah. in North yeah. in North Korea? Yes. Or even, I mean, the great Chinese firewall. Even, yeah. like, even in Thailand, if you want to look at uh, the Wikipedia entry of uh, Thai royalty, can't read it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, it'll open up all kinds of questions there in yeah, terms yeah. of uh, local regulation. That'll be more challenging. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, the other thing is, not surprisingly, uh, he was on Twitter and tweeted during the week, the Doge father, uh, SNL, May 8. Oh. So, you yeah, look, believe it or not, he's going to be hosting SNL on May the 8th. In my opinion, could you find a less charismatic host? And, and Justin, you raised the point before the show that they had, in fact, had, uh, or was it you, Peter, sorry, had had uh, Donald Trump. But he has got yeah, some Justin, kind of yeah. strange yeah. warped charisma about him. Uh, it'll be very interesting. Crush. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it'll so, be interesting to uh, see how this show, show goes. It just so happens that uh, last weekend, uh, one of the 10 digital things showed the Big Bang Theory episode with Musk in it. Uh, and my goodness. He's, a, he's a monotone kind of strange unit, isn't he? Anyway, but... but presence hewn from Solid Oak. In response to yes, in response to this, Dogecoin surged twenty percent on Wednesday um, from that tweet, and he's got you know Elon has fifty two million followers um, on Twitter, so he can shift things. Um, and it, it's, this crypto started off as a joke in twenty thirteen. Yeah. It now has a market cap of fifty billion dollars, yeah. and and he's been on it. He's tweeted various things. Uh, he sent a flurry of tweets in February. He just tweeted Doge. Then he followed Dogecoin is the people's crypto. And then no highs, no lows, only Doge. So people are prompting him on Twitter all the time, say something about Dogecoin because yeah, I want to make yeah. some money, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And he's he is on the cusp, um, according to Yahoo Finance, of being investigated for currency market manipulation, which to me seems pretty blatant. But um, yeah. anyway, and look, in response to that tweet, Alpha King said, how do I buy Dogecoin from Nigeria? Like, <laughs> what? Nigeria has been the, you know, ground point zero of scams for as long as anyone can remember. And they want to get in. Natalie just says, you're so annoying. And Crypto Puppy says, seriously, man, stop messing with crypto markets. So there are, there are people who are taking exception to this, even on Twitter, in following the dear leader. This is the great thing about, uh, you know, you, you talk to the neckbeards who are full-on crypto fans. And, you know, if you're into crypto, great, whatever. But they say, oh, you know, it's all about democratisation of money and, and it keeps the elite out of, out of our money. And then people like Elon Musk who are billionaires <laughs> and billionaires are policy failures, let's face it, roll in and go, doge. And they, they make a whole tonne of money. And look yeah, at all the money absolutely. we made on Bitcoin last, last month from well, Tesla investment in Bitcoin. That is yeah. a superb segue. Superb Thank segue. Thank you very much, Peter. Because uh, the share price... <laughs> 
uh, is actually uh, down a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So it was seven thirty-two last week. It's down a bit under forty bucks to six ninety-four. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, the Motley Fool saying why Tesla isn't charging up the Nasdaq today? Isn't that a great pun? You've got to love a pun headline. Very good. Yeah. Um, but Tesla produced, so they issued their first quarter um, results and had an earnings call. They produced more than 180,000 Model 3s and Model S units, delivered about 185,000 vehicles in the first three months of this year. Revenue was up 74% year on year, uh, due largely to growth, not just in vehicles, but um, other parts of the business, you know, the, the power storage and, and other bits and pieces. Um, and the proportion of revenue coming from uh, regulatory credits, which is always um, considered to be a big part of their, their profitability, actually decreased during the quarter. It was still there, but decreased. And they sold off 10% of their Bitcoin holding. But overall, the, the, the theory is that it, no one's wowed by these things anymore. There's no wow factor. It's just business as usual. So I'd say stand by for a big product announcement. There'll be something, um, another big dream, yeah. <laughs> another big magical dream will be forthcoming um, in the near, very dome. near future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and just a side note, uh, Tesla's very hard work in reducing CO2 uh, is probably been blown by the, the crypto investment. Yeah, maybe. Quite, maybe. Someone's done the numbers and they reckon it's pretty much... Yeah, <laughs> it'd be interesting to work out what a rocket puts into the atmosphere as well. Yeah, well, it's liquid, it actually relies on liquid oxygen. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, well, could yeah. so could, that's, that's could Ting uh, could Tong uh, Tong uh, drink that? Probably. Possibly. I mean, honestly, yeah. knowing him, he'd drink anything. So. You can make tea with it because it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. You want a good cup. Um, <laughs> all right. With that, I think we have reached uh, the finish line. I want to say thank you, Justin. Thank you very much. And thank you, Peter. Oh, no problem. And thanks to our digital whiz kid, crayon guru, and head of Show Me the Money, Mr. Pritchard, for his subtle yet powerful production techniques. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, phew, all this being such a legend is quite tiring. Um, LED glow pants and balloon shoes. Uh, let us know your thoughts. You can find Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're an Apple podcast listener, please rate and review us. Uh, it helps other people find the podcast. Remember, you can also watch us on YouTube. And if you are already, make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel uh, so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, Last night, police arrested a man for using a straw to drink sulfuric acid and distilled water from batteries on display in a car accessory store. This morning, a police spokesperson confirmed the man was being charged. Oh, oh no. my God. Oh, no. <laughs> <sighs>